and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. I'm your host today, Aaron Richards, joined here in the beautiful, illustrious Damascus Media Studio with my co-host and brother in Christ, Dan Demite. Hey, what's up, Aaron? And today we've got... It's going to be the most amazing show, friends. Dan was bothering me earlier <laughs> saying that I always say it's the most amazing show, and it is, right? You've got to live life, hopefully. Okay. Anyway. You know, well... <laughs> <laughs> How do I even go from there? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We're going to yeah. do an incredible show today about uh, the importance of incarnational ministry. So let's just open in a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, you are so great. Uh, that you loved us so much that you uh, pursued humanity. And I just pray, Lord, that you would pursue us in these times, that you would allow us, every family, every individual, everyone with a need for love, Lord, that you would pursue them with your abundant grace. Amen. Jesus, we love you, and thank you for being the inspiration behind every model for ministry. God, any model that's a successful model is successful because it looks like you. And Jesus, because you inspire it. So show us how to be your evangelists, to carry your name, even in the most challenging and unique circumstances. God, we pray this in your holy name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, friends, if you're tuning in for the first time, or if you need a little reminder, Dan and I work as co-directors out here at Damascus in central Ohio, and... Um, that, that's one of the places where we get the name of the show, right? That we are going beyond the Damascus experience. Where did our name come from? It came from the story of St. Paul, who on the road to Damascus encountered the love of Jesus in a way that he'd never experienced before, in a way that he didn't even know was possible. And that love propelled him into a life of extraordinary mission, right? A life where we see St. Paul having... Um, written for us most of the New Testament, the he's you know the the Prince of the Apostles, and um and, and it's our call too that when we encounter the Living Christ that we need to be propelled into life changing mission. Yeah, praise the Lord. And you know I think uh, this is just really interesting times that we're living in right now uh, that. Um, you know, every a lot of people are the stay-at-home order, and there's lockdowns, and there's quarantine, and we wanted to do a segment today just about the importance of incarnational ministry, yeah. um, because I think right now there's this interesting mo- moment and movement where uh, – just crazy things are happening, Aaron, right? Like it's it's interesting because uh, I don't know about every state, but at least in our state right now, the churches are locked and yeah. we can't go to mass. And the, the church isn't closed. The buildings are closed. The buildings are closed. The church is open for business, brothers and sisters, because you are the church. And uh, I, I, I don't know if this joke will land well on radio, but uh, I was I was browsing through memes the other day and because that's what I do in my free time. Um, that was a joke. I, I, hear, I hear your laughter now <laughs> over the airwaves. Anyway, somebody sent me a, somebody sent me an image that, that said, uh, you know, overnight we have become what we swore to hate. We are all televangelists. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. You look on Facebook or YouTube right now and every single pastor of every single small parish is, has built a YouTube persona and is, is recording live content and, um, we shared a couple of weeks ago on the show here on Beyond Damascus that we were so blessed here at Damascus that that our media studio 
which had been under construction for months, actually finished days before the stay-at-home order was issued here in Ohio. So we were really well equipped to be able to take this message to the you know, to the internet. Well, I think that's exactly what the Holy Spirit wanted to bring, right? More televangelists in our world. <laughs> no, but I think there, there's something profound happening. I love televangelists. I, I mean, I, truly, we have, we have a radio show on yeah. WTN, man. <laughs> this is our life. This is televangelization. <laughs> um, but I think what's happening right now is both a blessing and a curse. And I think we need to look at it and say, we want to take what is good and yeah. we want to leave what is bad, right? And if you, if you notice kind of the, the trends in language right now, everyone's like this is like things are so great because we need to get more technology based and we need to do more digital evangelization and we need to uh, become more digitally relevant as a church and all of those things are absolutely true right the the church needs to reach more people through the digital world and allow the gospel to be proclaimed to the nations in new vibrant and exciting relevant ways and i think it's such i want to honor so many of our priests who may or may not be tech-savvy individuals. Oh, you are now. Who have made sacrifices and who have worked hard to, in this time of uh, masses not being accessible to uh, to their uh, congregation, to make the mass uh, live-streamed and to make evangelization live-streamed. And that takes a lot of work and effort on a, the part of our priests, and I want to thank them and honor them and bless them for that. You're amazing. <laughs> but one of the things that we want to talk about today is that it's not enough, right, that while um, we as a church want to become more digitally savvy and, and more relevant and we want to utilize technology to reach the masses more and more, we also want to realize that as Aaron shared in his opening prayer, Jesus laid out a very clear model for evangelization that was incarnational. That's right. right. It says that, I love John, the very beginning of John's gospel, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he goes on, he says, and the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. And I think there's something so powerful about us as a church right now learning how to become more digitally relevant and how to become more effective at sharing the gospel to the masses through technology. But the importance is not to forget how incredibly important it is that ministry always becomes flesh. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I was having a conversation with a priest just this week, and we were speaking about those digital methods of evangelization and how, you know, in the midst of, for those of you who are listening on a, on a, a recorded show at a later date, if you haven't picked it up yet, we're, we're sitting in the middle of April 2020 and um, in, in the midst of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And we're truly responding to a a worldwide call to live things differently and you know necessity's the mother of invention that this is this is not only a challenge but it's also an opportunity to actually be able to question the status quo and in a lot of our parishes even functional parishes even you know uh, even good fulfilling life-giving parishes there are pieces of our programs that are status quo Oh, yeah. And uh, and he was he was really excited about the idea of embracing some of the tactics and techniques and strategies that he's even learning into potentially you know long uh, long term solutions for for their parish ministry for their parish life. 
Yeah, and I would say we're doing that at Damascus as well, right? So yeah. what happens in a moment like this when your normal mode of operating gets shut down, your brain starts thinking in a, a new creative way, right? And new ideas are inspired, and it's such a healthy experience where – you know, Damascus, we're planning new ways of what, what is our new normal? How can we take some of the digital work that we're doing and make this part of our regular routine? And how can we bless people through social media and through, um, you know, like content production more and more and more? And how can we get the, what God is doing here out to yeah. the public? And all that's so good and important. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we can't forget, right? We, we can't forget the fact that, that we human beings are body and soul. Yes. That, that our bodies need to be fed, our bodies need to be challenged, our, our faith needs to be lived in order that it can actually take root. And, uh, and I, I don't know, as Dan and I, as you and I were, were, were considering the topic for the show today, we began, um, we, we, we began a conversation about how important it is to not only remind ourselves of that reality, but to continually challenge ourselves. You know, things, um, sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes the digital, the digital broadcast, the digital preaching, it's easier, right? And it's more attractive. It's easier to jump on Facebook and um, than than it is to put together an event or put or you know put together all the pieces to program a retreat or a conference. And uh, you know, lest we forget how necessary it is that the faith be lived. Uh, we, we thought it'd be appropriate to to remind ourselves of that truth today. Yeah, you know, I think there's uh, in the world right now. I was talking to Sony. He's like, I think this is going to completely shift the way businesses operate and how yeah. normal life is lived. The people are realizing Zoom calls are super effective, and we don't actually need to be Should face to face all the Zoom. time. <laughs> Should have invested, <laughs> but it's like, and, and it's like, wait, is that really what we want? Like, yeah. isn't isn't our isn't humanity already starving? for deeper, more authentic community and deeper, more authentic relationships. And so while we take the good from this and we learn how to be more innovative as a church, we also need to know what we do best as church Mm -hmm. is we are human, like we provide human relationships in a deep and authentic way. And so we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the value and the importance of incarnational ministry where we allow people not to experience digital relationships, but deep personal uh, human and authentic relationships. You're listening to beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel radio and EWTN radio and carried across the EWTN global Catholic radio network. And we will be right back. EWTN, teaching the truth. You have this a beautiful compassion and an affirmation of every caller. You zone right in to each person's need, and then you ask all of us to pray for that person, and I do. I just think you really, really have a great ministry. You just really are tonic and concentrated multiple vitamins for all of us spiritually. <laughs> <laughs> EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. EWTN is now on Twitter. Get short, timely messages from EWTN on your computer or cell phone. It's easy to stay up to date on a wide variety of topics. Pro-life news, Vatican announcements, catechesis, apologetics, the latest EWTN programming, and more. You can link to EWTN on Twitter from our homepage or go to twitter.com slash EWTN. At work, at home, at school, and on the road. Stay connected to your world with EWTN's Twitter page. 
And welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Thanks again for joining us today for this second segment. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network. And we're filming today in the Damascus Media Studio here at Damascus in central Ohio. Yeah, guys, we were talking about how it's so important for um, ministry to be incarnational, right? The the word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. And, you know, I love um, Christmas time. I love nativities. Yeah. I love uh, Christmas cards. But I also love to reflect on the incarnation in a, a deeper reality than maybe a Christmas card usually allows, right? Like, you often will get a beautiful Christmas card with glowing like glitter all over it and everyone has halos and everything is picture perfect in this <laughs> nativity scene. But the reality of uh, the nativity was not this pretty clean glittery situation, right? That yeah. uh, Joseph and Mary had been riding uh, in, in, on a donkey and Joseph had been walking for all of this time while Mary is in labor and they can't find a place to sleep and they go to this like dark, wet cave and Jesus, the son of God, the, the alpha and the omega, he who has no beginning and has no end, he <laughs> took on, created human nature in in the middle of a cave, very right? very unfortunate, <laughs> and the, he's 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 surrounded by the stink of animals yeah. and mud and dirt and manure, and he was laid in the feeding trough, the manger. Uh, like how undignified is that for the yeah. King of Kings to be born? And I think what the Lord was trying to communicate to this through this uh, is that. Uh, the Son of Man comes into the mess of the world mm. through the Incarnation. Amen. But the Incarnation is a sign of God's love for humanity becoming messy. That God says, there is no mess, there is no darkness, there is no filth in your life or in your heart that I can't enter into. Yeah, And I think the promise of Christmas, not that this is Christmas, but the <laughs> promise of the Nativity is that God says, listen, no matter how dark, no matter how dirty, And no matter how filthy your heart may be, that's where I want to dwell. And the beauty of digital media is that we can get the gospel, the word of God to the nations this way. EWTN is is the global Catholic radio network. Blessed be God. But the power of the incarnation is God says, well, I want to take that word and I want to dwell with you Mm -hmm. and I want to get dirty with you. And I think Aaron, this radio is really easy, right? Because we don't get dirty with anyone. We're just talking to ourselves in a microphone (laughs) and we can feel really good about ourselves and say, man, we did such hard work today and we shared the gospel on the global radio network. But, and is it important? Yes, absolutely. That's why we spend our time doing it. But there's Jesus's model of ministry is unique in that he gets dirty with people. Amen. Pope Francis said that we have to have the stink of the sheep on us, right? That, yeah, that's and, gross. And sometimes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and sometimes in digital evangelization, we may not get into the filth of humanity and the, yeah. the, the hardships and the darkness of people's lives. You know, I was on a call reflecting with some of our friends today, and I asked them at the beginning of the meeting, I said, okay, everyone, just share what's one blessing you have had mm-hmm. this week. And they all started sharing uh, the blessing of spending more time together as a family during this stay-at-home order. And and then later in the call, someone said, you know, that's been a blessing, but it's also been really hard being with the family 
all the time. And we're starting to see irritability and frustration and impatience and difficulty in relationships in our family. And I think there's value in that, that we don't want to just say everything's picture perfect. That Jesus actually said, no, I came to get messy with you. We should bring our kids on the show next time. (laughs) Oh, that would be highly (laughs) messy. Let me just say, if my children had a microphone, it would not be able to be a live production. This would be our last show on EWTN. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but I think there's so so much value in this uh, idea, right? Yeah, Um, absolutely. Can you share a little bit about Jesus's model of incarnational ministry? Like how did he through healing others or through evangelizing yeah. others? How did he become incarnational? Amen. You know, the the incarnation is one of the fundamental mysteries of our faith. And a lot of times we see it as just being about Jesus taking on flesh, but as you know, we we look back to those um ancient philosophical, theological phrases as we, we, we realize that we are called not only to be created in the image and likeness of God and redeemed through the sacrifice of Jesus's life, but, but we are actually called ultimately to be deified, right? To be brought into relationship with him, to be um, divinized uh, in the appropriate, in the most appropriate theological sense. And, and those words kind of shock us, right? Because they don't really make a lot of theological, um, sense to us. We, we don't want to describe ourselves on the same level as Jesus, as, as the Trinity, but that is their goal. And, uh, and Dan, we, we just concluded a, a retreat on the theology of the body here, mm-hmm. St. John Paul II's theology of the body here at Damascus. And, that's the fundamental message of this is that we have value. We are able to image the Trinity, not in spite of our flesh, but on account of our flesh. Amen. That, that the Lord created us body and soul so that we can mirror the true nature of God. And the nature of God is relationship, right? The nature of God is that, is that gift of self, that, that mutual gift and reception of self. Wait, you're telling me the Blessed Trinity doesn't practice social distancing? Oh, man. <laughs> but isn't that crazy like, to think about, like, the, like you said, the nature of yeah. God is pure relationship. It's pure just relationship. a powerful, the, profound exchange of love. Perichoresis. And it can't happen yet but together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's wild. And um, I, I, was, I was reading an article the other day that was talking about the long-term effects that this um, – that this global pandemic are, it could stand to have on our world. And uh, among the things that they mentioned, it was, you know, uh, a worldwide reorientation toward perpetual social distance, right? Yep. Toward, a, toward a lifestyle where instead of asking like, hey, who can't make it to the meeting today? Can we, can we call you in? Like asking, hey, should we really be having a meeting today? Can't we just call? Exactly. Um, Well, someone told me the other day, this is really good. I mean, we should be asking ourselves whether or not we should change social norms like shaking hands. Like maybe that's just a bad way to greet one another. And it's like, oh my gosh, like do we really want to create a world where we're less tangible with one another? Yeah. So, and and that's the reality, right? Um, We'll we'll, we'll keep the theology of the body appropriate for radio and all audiences today, but um, it's it's the the reality that we, we come to know that our bodies actually reveal 
the nature of God, right? Our bodies actually reveal the nature of our own human identity and something about the very nature of God. When we're made in the image and likeness of God, we're not just made in the image and likeness of a guy sitting on a throne, right? We don't look like God insofar as he has a big long beard. Um, We don't even look like God insofar as we look like the body of Jesus. But we look like God, St. John Paul II says, in that we are created for human relationship, mm. that we're created for relationship in such a way that that our own um, giving and receiving of self actually imitates Trinitarian love. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, um, but it has to be lived. It has to be lived. I think the uh, one way to say that is the language of love is expressed through face-to-face human relationship, right? That there's something, it it would be crazy to say that I could ever have a digital marriage with another person, right? Because I can't express the fullest extent of love digitally. Uh And, And likewise, as a church, we could never do the fullest extent of ministry digitally. I think about Jesus when he goes to heal the sick, he actually, he touches them, right? There's something so profound about him picking up the dirt of the earth and rubbing it in the eyes of the blind man or him taking his finger and placing it in the ear of the deaf man, that there's something human and an exchange of human touch that allows God's saving grace to enter that person Mm -hmm. at that moment. Mm -hmm. And Jesus could have healed the world and redeemed humanity from heaven with right? a word yeah. but but he chose to to become flesh and yeah. dwell among us and to experience humanity from within yeah. so that he could sanctify it from within. I was talking to a bishop the other day, Aaron, and he said something very interesting. He said, you know one of the things i 'm concerned about is that when all of this ends. How many people are going to return to the Eucharist? Mm. How many people are going to come back to Mass? Because, <laughs> or, or will Catholics say, you know what? It was pretty convenient to watch Mass yeah. from home. And it was really neat because I could pick whichever priest I wanted to watch on Sunday and pull up their live stream and watch that Mass. And I didn't have to be worried about when my one-year-old starts crying. Uh, you didn't have to put on <laughs> pants. No. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's so much. And, uh, but that's crazy. It, it would yeah. be crazy to us as Catholics to say that church could ever happen virtually. Because right. why? Because the Mass is an incarnational expression of God's love to, for humanity through the gift of the Eucharist. And I can only receive the Eucharist through that experience of of touch, right? Yeah. And taste yeah. and holding Jesus in my hands and then he becomes one with me, right? Yeah. It's this profound exchange of love where the Eucharist and I become one because Jesus chose to give himself in an authentically human yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I was sharing in our Theology of the Body teaching over the retreat last week that it's interesting. You know, you, you have humanity and you have God, uh, you have heaven, you have this spiritual reality. And as a Catholic church, where do we identify as, you know, the main points of connection between God and humanity? The, the sacraments, right? The seven sacraments are for us our anchor points. They're the areas where we realize that these are the, these are the indelible investments that God has made in the created world that say, I'm in this for the long haul. Wow. And I'm in this for your good. Oh, yeah. And and where are they? The the sacraments are all at the intersection of of the word and the flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got you've got 
um, baptism, you've got Eucharist, you've got reconciliation. Uh, like Dan said, none of these can happen digitally, right? They have to, they have to, they have to be made with matter and with, with word. Amen. Well, even the definition of sacrament is a visible sign of this yeah. invisible reality that yeah. pours out grace from heaven, right? And there's something so profound about the visible sign. So, so th- I think this is a, a, a neat message for the church, right? And I, I don't think it's, I think most of our listeners would identify with this sure. and they would agree. Of course, you know, if we're faithful Catholics, we know that we can't have virtual mass and virtual yeah. mass alone, right? Like that's not, that's not what God intends for his people. Yeah. And we know that we can't just have digital, uh, relationships. But I, I wonder if we think to ourselves, even before the quarantine, how faithful were we to this call yeah. to make our dwelling among God's people? Yeah. Like, did I, is the word of God that's in me, am I working hard to provide real, authentic, profound relationships that allow me to get messy with mm-hmm. people so that I can bring them to Christ? Amen. So, friends, today, in the midst of uh, global lockdown, or at least lockdown in the state of Ohio. I don't know. There's, I guess there's some other renegade states that are still able to go all and over the play place. in the park. Um, but in the midst of the lockdown, we are hosting a show not on the top 10 tactics for increasing your online presence, but rather <laughs> we're hosting a show uh, to to call you on and invite you in and give you some guidance and some inspiration toward how to actually live uh, communication of the faith that's authentically incarnational. Yeah, I thought a good way to do that, Aaron, would be to kind of explain a little bit about how we here at Damascus have an incarnational approach to ministry yeah. and how maybe our listeners could utilize this time of quiet in their lives to start praying about when the doors get open wide again, how are we going to become more incarnational yeah. in ministry in our parishes and our family and our just friendships. Or if you're listening to this show uh, after after the global pandemic has subsided, you can be reminded of how silly we were and uh, <laughs> now how much effort this took. Okay. Uh, and, and we can be called to the same thing. So here at Damascus, we call this our Damascus difference. We, we, this, there's, a, there's a unique way that we live the adventure of the Catholic faith here, and it's not a gimmick. Um, oftentimes people will come and they'll ask, well, you know, what is it that you're doing that's different than what I'm doing or that other camps are doing? And the reality is what we identify is that we, we call, you know, our motto is that we live the adventure of the Catholic faith through high adventure activities that, that lead to a high adventure faith, that high adventure activities and high adventure faith walk hand in hand, that our, that our faith life is, um, is made possible by an adventurous lifestyle elsewhere, and that when we live a faith authentically, that our life actually becomes better, right? Yes. That our life actually becomes fuller. That we're not actually we're not we're not we're not merely called to sacrifice the things that are fun in order to be holy, but that when we live a life that's holy, uh, our life will be more fun. How do we do that here at Damascus? Well. Uh, every one of the activities that we offer here at Damascus, and we're committed to offering the best activities that we possibly can, right? From our high ropes course to our zip lines to paintball to our wakeboard systems, um, every every bit of what we offer here at Damascus is is not built to just get kids in the door, 
so we can trick them into hearing the gospel, <laughs> right? Contrary to popular belief. It's not a, just a marketing scheme. <laughs> but these, these components of, the, of, of personal development are really important, and they're utilized so beautifully by our staff to, to, to be the, um, the invitation, like the, the, the doorway into an open and authentic encounter with Jesus. You know, I, I love to use the example that when we challenge uh, a sixth grade student on our high ropes course, right, 50 feet in the air, to take a leap of faith, to, um, you know, jump off that final platform onto our auto belays that lower them to the ground. You know, it's a terrifying experience for a sixth. It's a terrifying experience for an adult. And uh, what, what, what happens through this is that, you know, I take a leap of faith and I realized, you know, when I did that, when I stepped out of my comfort zone, I actually stepped into something that was exciting. And I entered into a, uh, a place, I pushed myself to a level that was beyond what I thought I was capable of. And I enjoyed it. And I had the support and the, and the friendship of people who walked with me in the process. And then six hours later, when we're in the, when we're in the, the, the auditorium at, at Damascus here, and we're presenting the gospel, and we're inviting that same sixth grader, maybe for the first time, to take a leap of faith and to put their faith in the person of Jesus or to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for a greater and more authentic outpouring of his divine love, right? That that same person can remember, oh yeah, when I jumped off the high ropes cor- course earlier, I was scared. It didn't make a lot of sense to me, but it was a heck of a lot of fun. And my counselor and my friends, they supported me in it, and I'm a better person because of it. And wouldn't you believe that the same reality that happens on the ropes course is what happens in our faith journey? That if, 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 I, if I compartmentalize and, and come into this place where I think that faith experience is all about intellectual assent or um, you know, uh, a book knowledge or, or study, that I, I can fall into this um, cycle of actually robbing my faith experience of the human interaction and the human impact that it was meant to have from the beginning. Yeah, that's so good, Aaron. That's so good. And, you know, you think about like the Damascus difference. What was the Damascus difference that St. Paul experienced? Yeah, exactly. It was this, it was this moment in his life where there was a, a tangible experience and encounter with the person of Jesus, right? That Jesus revealed himself to St. Paul on the road to Damascus in a real and vibrant way yeah. where the normity of life became, or the normity of faith became real for him. And, yeah. and sometimes that happens in mass for people. And sometimes that happens during a, uh, a radio show or during a, a presentation. But, you know, I think more often than not, it happens in the regular aspects of people's lives. And yeah. people ask us, does it, does it matter for, you know, like Paul wasn't in the synagogue when it happened. He was on a journey walking to Damascus. Yep. He was on the road yep. and boom, he had this encounter and people were like, well, are the activities necessary? Or is that just kind of like, Oh, um, you know, you waste a lot of time. <laughs> I hear a lot of times, but it's like, no, that's actually part of the ministry that yes. playing paintball with a group of seventh grade boys is what allows the small group leader. Then when he's doing discipleship ministry, 
to have a powerful experience of conversation about the faith because they have a natural friendship mm-hmm. together and they knew that they could count on each other in the paintball course. And now I can count on you to share my faith with you. Yeah. And it's remarkable the difference that happens when you play together and when you relate together in a human way through activities, through relationships, through laughter, mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference in the faith component. We're yeah. doing something new right now during this time uh, that we call Damascus Night Live. And it's this uh, a family and hour-long family production every night that we're providing for families, and we have some <laughs> some uh, faith formation going on, but at the beginning of Damascus Night Live, we have the families play a game together, yeah. and some people have said, you know, I really like the, the last part of Damascus Night Live where you share a message and you have praise and worship and prayer time, but I'm not sure if the, the playing a game is necessary, and um, I think it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. I think there's something so important for families, if you're going to pray together, if you're going to actually hear the gospel proclaimed together, you also just have to enjoy yeah. one another. Yeah. I mean, what are we communicating if, um, you know, if mass truly is for us just an interruption to normal life? Yeah. Right? You know, we don't want our kids to live that way. We don't want our families to be to be raised to be that way. You know, we don't want to be that way ourselves. Um, but, but how are we communicating it? Like, you know, if, if our faith experience, I'm preaching to the choir right now, you guys are the ones that are listening to Catholic radio in your car. Right. Um, but, but for how many of us and for how many of our families and friends and loved ones is our faith experience limited to a one hour pause in the midst of a busy life, um, where, where we're truly sacrificing that moment so that we can, fulfill our obligation, right? That's not the way that faith was meant to be lived. And if we live it that way, it's not going to be fulfilling. Well, I think a part of understanding how to make that more fulfilling is is a, an element of understanding what it was to be a, a Jewish rabbi 2,000 years ago. And, you know, a, a Jewish rabbi 2,000 years ago, when you would ask someone to come follow me, it was a, mm. and that was a formal invitation from a rabbi. And the rabbi would invite people to follow him. And often the response from those, those students who were blessed enough to hear a rabbi say, come follow me, their response would be, let your dust be upon me. Yeah. And realistically, the way a, a rabbi would teach his people, his his disciples, uh, the way he would be a teacher was to live his life and they would follow him and his lifestyle, the dust, they would follow him so closely that his lifestyle would fall upon them and they would imitate his lifestyle. It wasn't just his teachings. And that's what's so important about understanding who Jesus is and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is it wasn't an intellectual relationship between the disciple and the rabbi. It was actually a lifestyle relationship where I want to learn your teachings, master, but I also want to discover your lifestyle and imitate that. And that's Christianity. It's not a passing on of dogmas and doctrines. It's not a passing on of teachings and theologies. It's a passing on of the Hmm. lifestyle of Jesus. And that passing on of the lifestyle of Jesus does not happen in one hour of mass. It doesn't happen through theology courses. And as good as we are, it doesn't happen through EWTN radio shows. We're we're pretty good. We're pretty good. (laughs) It happens (laughs) through human relationship. It happens that the lifestyle of a Christian 
gets passed on through family. Amen. The lifestyle of uh, of, a, of Christianity gets passed on through living like Jesus and teaching your children what it means to live like Jesus yeah. and and how Jesus lived. And I think the reason we're suffering right now as a church is yeah. because we haven't been passing on a lifestyle. We've been passing on dogmas and doctrines, and that is not attractive to young people. Mm-hmm. That the reason people are leaving the faith in, in massive numbers today is because we're looking at dogmas and doctrines, and there's so many other dogmas and doctrines out there. And the question is not, is that theology compelling? It's, no, is that yeah. lifestyle compelling? Yeah, yeah, and that's awesome. When we get incarnational, we start entering into the lifestyles of people and their brokenness and their difficulties and their hardships, and we love them and we walk with them through all of that, and that's what's compelling. And then we, and then we start to see transformation. You know, we look at, we look at the, the humility of Jesus. Um, what is, what's the source and summit of the Christian faith? Well, it's the, it's the Eucharist, right? How, how interesting is it that Jesus would desire to humble himself to the point of becoming bread and wine, right? That the, the, don't, don't quote me on theological terminology here, right? That, that Jesus, Jesus would transform bread and wine, would transubstantiate bread and wine into his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Mm-hmm. That Jesus' model for us is a model of doing extraordinary things with humble means. And he lives this out, as Dan, you mentioned, as, as we step into the call of living the lifestyle of Jesus. You know, who are you to think that... Um, that that your prayer for healing might heal somebody's body. Well, that's the lifestyle of Jesus, yeah. right? That he would, he would call us and he'd say, no, 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 no. You're not deserving of this, but this is my call. This is my expectation that your words, he speaks this to the 12, he speaks this to the 72, and then he speaks this about all believers. Who's a believer? We're all believers, right? That our common Christian call is that our faith experience would be incarnational in our lives and in the lives of those to whom we minister, that we would actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. And if we believe that call, if we believe that we are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus, don't you think we should have some kind of expectation for the fact that that, that when I pray a prayer, you know, when I do what it is he's asked me to do, when I step out in faith, that he might actually desire to see me succeed. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's interesting because <clears throat> right now the churches the church doors are closed, but I wonder if your church doors have been closed for a lot a lot longer than this, mm. right? Like maybe have you looked at your family as the church? Because you your your home is the church. And has your home become a a place with open doors to bring people into real, authentic Christian lifestyle and relationship? Yeah. And has your heart, has the church of your heart been closed, right? Or have you had, have you been social distancing with the people (laughs) at at your work because you don't want to get into the messiness of their lives? Well, the church needs to open up again and we need to open our hearts so that we don't practice social distancing, that we're a people who get into the mess of humanity and we love them and we care for them no matter what. Guys, I, I, I think as a church, we have to be called on to constantly examine ourselves and to say, are we incarnational enough? 
right? That's a great call. Because it's so interesting to me that a lot of pro-life Catholics, they're, they, they may go to mass every Sunday and they may vote pro-life um, and they may mm-hmm. make a bunch of social media posts that are pro-life, but are they entering into, like, are they building relationships with the, the women who are poor and suffering and have difficult lives that have a broken family that they, they can't turn to anyone else? Like, we need to be mm-hmm. so incarnational that if God's going to answer the prayer, to end abortion He's in America, yeah. we need to be ready for that response. And that response <laughs> means loving the women who are struggling to make these difficult decisions because they have no family to turn to. And loving the families that are struggling because they don't have the income to support another life. Yeah, yeah, that, that God wants to answer our prayers through us. Right? Amen. Ah, oh, so good. Okay, friends, well, Thanks for joining us for today's show. I hope you're charged up, as charged up as we are right now, about this call to incarnational evangelization. And we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to wrap this all up and put a big bow on top by really calling us on to what are some practical lived tips for how it is that we can uh, take our life, consider our life, and consider our process for evangelization and seek to be more incarnational in the way that we love. You're listening once again to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio, and we'll be right back. How should we pray? The disciples asked our Lord that question, and he gave them the Our Father, or the Lord's Prayer. But he also gave them the liturgy, which is the most privileged form of prayer in the Catholic tradition, especially the holy sacrifice of the Mass. We can pray with the whole church in the liturgy of the hours or the divine office. And we should also pray in our own private room, our secret chamber, as Jesus says. And then our Father who sees us in secret will reward us. Unplanned, the true story of Abby Johnson. I would be the youngest director in Planned Parenthood history. She believed in a woman's right to choose. I've had an abortion myself, so I don't have any problem with another woman making the same decision. Until the day she saw something that changed everything. Tiny, perfect little baby. And then it was just gone. Now she's pulling back the curtain on the abortion industry. Unplanned. Available at EWTNRC.com and the EWTN app. Hello and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. And we've been talking about the mission of the church is the same mission of Jesus, to be a people who enter into incarnational ministry. That God has an incarnational call for us, that we would enter into a deeper relationship with people. So Aaron said right before the break that we're going to give you some practical tips on how you can live uh, a deeper incarnational ministry in your everyday life. We like to say, Aaron, that every single Catholic is in full-time ministry, right? If you were lucky enough to get the waters of baptism poured over you, you were entered (laughs) into a full-time position by Jesus 24-7, to be in ministry for him and to bring people to the kingdom of God. So you're all in full-time ministry. Now we're going to give you some ministry tips on how to actually live this ministry more incarnationally. Yes, to live your life incarnationally. And once again, I hope you've been charged by this show. Uh, I've been inspired even by the message that we've been speaking. And here's how we make it practical, right? So uh, if you take notes or if you're driving, this is is the point to return to when you get home. Um, Number one, what's our first tip for, for living incarnational ministry? It's actually respond to our call to step out in faith, 
right? I said earlier today that when Jesus calls us to action, he wants to see us succeed. He's going to give us the tools necessary to succeed. We give a, a prayer dare here at Damascus when we, when we lead a retreat or, or summer camp, and that's this. Instead of telling someone you'll pray for them, consider praying with them, right? When someone asks, hey, will you pray for me? Will you pray for my injury? Will you pray for my family? Um, you know, instead of saying, yeah, sure, sure, I'll add you to my prayer list, say, can we pray right now? And, and pray in a faith that's expectant. You know, a lot of times I think we, ex- we, we would hope for a miraculous intervention, a miraculous response to our prayers, but oftentimes we operate with this attitude that I'm not worthy to actually see God respond, that I'm not worthy to actually see God move powerfully on account of my prayer. And, you know, we have a book up in our chapel here at Damascus that's just filled with the stories of individuals, campers, counselors, staff members, uh, parents, families, who weren't necessarily equipped and trained with the, with the power of the gospel, uh, you know, as super apostles. But they prayed in faith, and they saw Jesus move powerfully in, in a miraculous healing or miraculous conversion or miraculous repentance, and they've seen lives transformed. When we pray for rain, let's bring an umbrella. Amen to that. I love that. It's so easy to tell a person, oh, I'll pray for you. It's really hard to pray with another person, yeah. right? And I think there's that's the difference between it's very easy to post something on social media, but it's hard to enter into a deeper relationship with you, another person. You can do it. We believe in you. <laughs> yeah, so much. <laughs> Secondly, our second tip for this incarnational ministry is just to invite people into your lifestyle. So what Jesus did was he invited people into his lifestyle and, and he, he knew that his lifestyle was so attractive that it would bring people conversion. And I, I think it's funny because the discipleship method, which we talk a lot about in the church is kind of a, it's an interesting concept because like Paul was so bold. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm. That. Paul knew his lifestyle was so attractive that it would bring people into conversion. It wasn't listen to my words. It was imitate my lifestyle because my lifestyle looks like Jesus's lifestyle. That's and intimidating. If my lifestyle <laughs> looks like Jesus's lifestyle, I don't have to speak to them. I just have to walk with them. Mm. And when I walk with them, they get captivated by the lifestyle of Jesus. And they say, I want to live like you live. Amen. I know in, in college, we would, Aaron and I, we lived in a household together of, um, uh, it was like seven or eight other men who we prayed together every day. We ate meals together. We go pray, uh, play frisbee ultimate frisbee um on the like osu oval together and what our our methodology and ministry was very simple let's just invite people into our house and when they actually have a meal with us Mm. and they and they do dishes with us and they see us singing song they just when they see our joy they're going to be captivated to say whoa i want that kind of a life yeah and over and over and over again it was hilarious we didn't invite them to church with us we invited them to dinner with us or and, to or to play frisbee or to with play us. frisbee with us and it was the thing that captivated them to say what do you have that i don't have yeah so invite people into your lifestyle if you're going to the zoo as a family invite another family to the zoo with you if you're having dinner invite maybe once a week or every other week invite people over to dinner mm-hmm. so that they start seeing your lifestyle i love having people over and before they leave making sure that we pray together as a family and inviting them into our family prayer together to witness what it looks like for a family to pray together. And so when you invite them into your lifestyle, it really inspires them 
and it teaches them the lifestyle of a Christian. You know, I think it's interesting though, because Aaron, we have to ponder who are we called to invite? And I think it's fun. You see in the gospel that Jesus's deepest friends were like Lazarus and Mary Mm. and Martha, but none of them were called to be his 12 apostles. Yeah. Uh, that before Jesus selected his apostles, it says that he went away and he prayed to the Father. And he asked the Father, who who am I called to minister to? Hmm. So ask the Father, who are the people you're called to reach out to? They may not be your natural f- top friend picks, but they are the people that God's asking you to teach them that lifestyle. That's awesome. Okay, so step one was, uh, tip number one was step out in faith. Tip number two was invite people into your life, both your quote-unquote normal life and your quote-unquote spiritual life, right? Mm -hmm. They're both your life. Okay, tip number three, talk to someone about what you hear, okay? We're not going to advocate that you stop listening to the radio. That would be that would be pretty silly. For <laughs> Get us. rid of all digital <laughs> evangelization from your life. No, no, no. Uh, you know, pour into YouTube. Pour into Catholic radio. Uh, allow yourself to be fed by the Word. You know, let let your let your intellectual life be the foundation on which your uh, your your life is lived. But when something inspires you. Um, do take it to your journal, but in addition to taking it to your journal, consider making a commitment to yourself that you're going to then open your mouth and actually talk to someone about what it is you've heard, right? I do this, uh, I, I, I try to hold myself accountable to doing this in my own family, that I'll be listening to some amazing and impactful and life-changing message on YouTube, and then I'll take out my headphones and I'll be sitting next to my wife and, you know, now I have an opportunity. Do I sit here in silence and awkwardness? Or do I invite you into this beautiful spiritual moment that I've just experienced, right? <laughs> that, that we can actually say yes to sharing what it is that we've heard, right? This is the, this is the moment where we take that digital messaging and we actually make it incarnationally lived. Yeah, I love when someone sends me a podcast that they listened to and said, hey, I, I heard this and I thought about you. And then they follow up and say, hey, did you listen to that? And they have a conversation about it. It's, if you're trying to evangelize someone, send them a, a something and say, hey, I was thinking about you when I heard this. And then let's talk about it, right? And then fourthly, the last thing we want to talk about is just avoid surface level conversations. Oh, and yeah. I think that we as Americans are great at small talk, right? But we as Christians should be great at supernatural discipleship-based talk. And so get great at it. And if it's awkward, if it's hard, practice it, right? But we want to avoid surface level. What I do uh, to avoid surface level conversations is I have a small group of questions in my back pocket that I like to throw out there. One of my favorite questions... This is a, this is a key from youth ministry. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite questions is, hey, where's the grace and the struggle in your life right now? Because it gets them to think about what is the grace? What, the, what are the blessings that God's bringing? But it also allows them to talk about what's the struggle right now. And it allows a conversation to go deep. I love to say to people, what's your, your dream for your life? It goes beyond the surface and it starts getting into what's really important to them, right? Yeah. Or just, hey, what's a blessing 
blessing that you've experienced this week, right? That it gets beyond the surface and it gets into, and why do we want this? Because the incarnation is about making the dwelling among the people in their mess. And if we enter into people's struggle, then we're able to proclaim hope and freedom and truth. And so when you allow people to start sharing their burdens, then you can go to from, hey, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you yeah. right now. Let's or if that, that doesn't work, then you can just always go back to the classic, I mean, what toothpaste do you use? Oh, yeah, for um, sure. How many sheets of toilet paper? Oh, yeah. What, what <laughs> brand of deodorant uh, do you wear? Yeah, those are good non-surface level questions. What, what flavor are, ice cream are you? Those are the deep questions of life that us youth ministers ask all the time. Okay, so from the top down, here's, here's your, four, your four tips once again. Step out in faith. When you pray, expect results. Number two, invite people into your life. Number three, talk to someone about what you hear. And finally, number four, avoid surface level conversation and actually talk about the meaningful things. Our hope and our prayer for you today, listeners, is that if we can incorporate these things, that whether it's now or whether it's in the midst of you know our next, God forbid, global pandemic, you know whatever that situation might be, where we're called into a place where we forget about the authentic call to be incarnational in ministry, that maybe we can take this as a challenge for ourselves. Amen to that. The church never closes because you are the church. We are the church. And the only time we're ever closed is when we're closed off to God's people. Amen. And so uh, let's just close in prayer. In yeah, the name of the, the Father, Father, the Son, and the, Son, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Lord, I just pray that you would allow us to be a church that has open arms, open doors, and open hearts. That you would allow us to be so recklessly open to your people that we would enter into the difficulties of their life and that we would bring them to your heart. Lord, allow us to be men and women of evangelization and incarnation. Amen. God, I pray that as these messages, as these tips for incarnational evangelization may have been intimidating to us. God, as we talked about stepping out in faith, as we talked about inviting people, as we talked about speaking about what we've heard or avoiding surface level conversation, God, that you may have uh, convicted our heart of a particular relationship or a particular opportunity where we've failed to step out. Jesus, I pray that you'd give us the grace today to be able to step out in faith. God, Give us the grace today to be able to take that leap of faith in prayer, to be able to open our mouth when it's uncomfortable, and to be able to invite people to experience the life-changing encounter that you've called us to live in our own lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. God, equip us for mission. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global yeah, Catholic Dan, Radio where can Network. they find the Beyond Damascus show? Yeah, so you can go on wherever you get apps, the App Store, the Apple App Store, all the that good jazz. You can download our Beyond Damascus podcast so you can listen to all the past episodes and all the upcoming episodes. And if you hit this in a timely fashion, check out the Damascus Live productions that we're producing here out of the Damascus Media Studio. Um, you can find those on Facebook or YouTube by looking up Damascus Live, one word. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. Once again, Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. It's carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, and we're so blessed to be able to share these moments with you. Now let's live it. Let's live a faith that is incarnational. God bless you.